Hello, everyone. This is Mark Anthony with Edge on Regenerative Medicine Show. This is the place where we bring you the best of the best doctors and, of course, physicians in their area of expertise. Today, I have a, a friend and a doctor, Dr. Durrell Hanwerger. He is a uh, he is actually quite a few things. Today, we're going to be talking about gut health. Today, we're going to be talking about how to treat it. And then of course, we've got Dr. Google saying that, hey, you can get rid of it. But is that true? So you can also find Dr. Darrell Henberger at SouthFloridaIntegrativeHealthCenter.com. So today, the title of this podcast is Getting Back to a Healthy Gut. I'm going to do a little bit of reading here. And this is right off Dr. Darrell's uh, website. So when I speak of it, I'm speaking of him, not of myself. It says, when I was a young when I was very young, my passion for holistic and functional medicine began going with my father, who was the director and the doctor of community health centers and a founder of the Head Start and Organic Foods Movement. I observed him working tirelessly to promote holistic health long before it became popular. My father cared about people as individuals and ultimately inspired me to devote my entire life to studying plants, foods, healing herbs, Western and Eastern medicine with the one main mission to help people get healthier. I combined my 25 years of clinical experience as a family nurse practitioner and my certifications in nutrition, massage therapy, and a board certified in advanced holistic practice to look at you as an individual and a design to specific plan to optimize your health. It is important to me to give specialized time and attention to each individual client I treat. And our results, as well as my five-star reviews, got to throw that in there, are proof of that. We look forward to helping you reach your best level of health. Thank you so much, doctor, for being here. I love what you put in here. You spend quality time with each individual to make sure that you're able to optimize everything to see where the, the uh, not just the pain, but where the situation is where you need to work on. Yes. Thank you very much, Mark, and for having me here to talk about integrative medicine and how we can help people uh, by uh, spending more time with them and really listening to their health story, putting it all together. And uh, yes, um, I've been uh, practicing here uh, functional medicine and uh, primary care for over 25 years. So I really studied functional medicine. Uh, I just did want to clarify, I'm a family nurse practitioner. There's a doctor of nursing practice family. Oh, I apologize. Yeah, family nurse practitioner. And uh, again, I've started with functional medicine over 25 years ago under the great leaders, Jeffrey Bland and um, and uh, many of the great leaders out there. And I've now really honed in over these last five years of really the advanced testing in the gut microbiome, which is, I know what we're going to focus in on today has really been a game changer in improving people's health. Awesome. So this is a, a huge topic. I'm, I'm seeing a lot on, especially Facebook and Twitter. We hear a lot about the gut. And like I said, you know, the, the title is getting back to a healthy gut. Now, one of the questions that I have is, and, and from also my audience, they said, one of them asked, is there a more natural way to treat H. Uh, pylori other than prilosic? I'm probably saying those words wrong because I've never used it. <laughs> right. H. Py uh, yes. H. pylori uh, H. is pylori. It H. pylori, and I think Prilosec, that medication is a, a, a class class of medications that shuts down acid production. Okay. Um, and that's part of the treatment protocol. They call it triple therapy, sometimes quadruple therapy. Um, and this is means this means that in order to to uh, eradicate H. pylori, they use either three or uh, two to three antibiotics plus this acid lowering medication. 
And this has been used for many years now. Um, and of course, bacteria get resistant. Mm-hmm. So it's not 100% effective. Okay. Um, the, the, some of the questions that a person uh, should ask themselves and, and then speak to their uh, practitioner, and many people get an endoscopy to see what's really going on in the gastrointestinal tract, in the stomach, and what kind of damage the H. pylori is doing. So if the H. pylori is doing a lot of damage, they do a, um, they do a, they can tell if it's the more dangerous kind of H. pylori, just like any bacteria, hmm. they can be harmless. So it's important to note that H. pylori lives in our gut. Everybody has a certain amount of H. pylori. It's not something that we have to be fearful of and eradicate totally because it's living within all of us. Um, But when it overgrows and the key for this, and this is really the important part, is that it becomes um, what they call, maybe the word is weaponized. It's not really like that. It just becomes more, the, the, the medical term is virulent it's more dangerous type of bacteria that is now going to start digging into the lining of the stomach and cause these changes that now prelude, preclude, you know, can lead to cancer. And this is the real big fear of H. pylori. So what, what we do here at South Florida Integrative Health Center is that we use this uh, stool testing that uses DNA PCR, which everyone's familiar with now, because a lot of the swabs are DNA PCR swabs and that you can see what type of H. pylori it is not only that, you could see how much, because again, it's, a, it's about how much it overgrows. And then you could even do a genetic test to see it's, if it's the more dangerous kind that's going to be the kind that's going to cause the damage mm-hmm. or the cancer. And then you can make that clinical decision whether you're going to use the, the triple therapy or the quadruple, th- the two or three antibiotics, or you could go more natural. There, are, there is research. There's a plant called Mastica. M-A-S-T-I-C-A, it's been studied to be very effective to H. pylori. There's been head-to-head studies with antibiotics, um, and they seem to at times be equal, the the, um, success at lowering the H. pylori till non-detectable, because there's a lot of resistance with the antibiotics. But the answer to the question is, yes, there are natural protocols that have been used for quite some time and they are effective. People are getting good results, but you'd want to be hesitant to use the natural protocol if it is the H. pylori that's the more dan- more you know virulent or dangerous kind. But many people have just an overgrowth of H. pylori and that can cause many issues like skin issues. Uh, it can cause an overgrowth of other bacteria, can cause bloating, indigestion. Wow. Um, and many people mistake it as acid reflux. They think they have to shut down the acid, but it's much more complicated than that because H. pylori loves a low acid environment. So shutting down the acid is only going to make the H. pylori worse. And then you ask yourself, why would they give an acid lowering drug as part of this treatment protocol? Well, that's because... They want the H. pylori to be in their favorable environment when they're right. going to hit it with the antibiotics. We do the same in the natural protocols. We give the mastica at the certain correct doses and we keep the acid. We don't start building the acid back with the way we do it naturally. There are natural ways to increase stomach acid safely. And many people are actually what they call hypochloritic. They, they are low acid. Um, and that's what made the H. pylori come, uh, build up. But we don't do that because when we're in the killing phase. Okay. What, it, what, what would you say would be one natural way that could maybe start to help with that? With H. pylori, uh, mastica is one of the more well-known uh, plants, uh, antimicrobial plants that has been studied in clinical studies. Um, so you know the dosing, you know the clinical study. They also, we all, uh, there are other herbs that have been studied to be antimicrobial that are also effective. Some people use plants like berberine. They use plants, um, which is a, a nutrient in many plants, especially golden seal that has these antimicrobial means it's, it bacteria don't seem to uh, be able to thrive with it. Um, People also use, uh, practitioners use uh, deglycerized licorice to protect the gut because H. pylori does so much damage to the gut. And then, and so some of these plants have a dual effect at protecting the gut, but also limiting the growth of the bacteria. So it's usually a combination formula, not just mastica by itself. Okay, awesome. Good to know. And then another one, of course, would be, what's your view on the benefits of fasting? 
Well, fasting is a very important subject. I just saw a research study that showed that there was no difference between fasting and let's say calorie restriction or just skipping a meal. So basically uh, time restricted eating has been studied. So not eating after dinner, not eating too close to bedtime and then, um, uh, and then eating again in the morning. So having a window of let's say 14 hours, maybe a window you know, an average window, maybe of 10 hours of not eating, it is good to give the, the intestines a break from eating. That for sure is something that's been studied. But the idea of skipping breakfast is very controversial. And there's a many studies in the importance of, of breakfast where we see, we see issues with uh, insulin levels and cortisol levels in the morning if someone skips breakfast and exercises mm -hmm. especially. So fasting can be helpful at times if it's directed and specific, but what we find is more helpful is giving certain targeted nutrients to help the liver uh, and its detoxification systems, if that's the purpose of fasting, um, is to help with detoxification. Now, some people fast for autophagy, which is mitochondria health um, or cellular health, and that's another reason to be fasting. And then for that reason, really just having a time window of not eating and going at least one day a week, maybe on a water fast or one day a week um, and, and having that controlled, but um, not doing things that are negative, like skipping breakfast or um, or other th other things, making food choices. So really, if someone's going to do intermittent fasting, it's really important to get that protein, fat, carbohydrate ratio down right because because there's going to have to be some nutrient density and, mm -hmm. and some fats and proteins uh, in those meals that when they are eating and then they can, they, it can be managed and it has a benefit, but with the gut, it seems like feeding the gut, the right food is uh, the answer to healing the gut, not depriving it um, and fasting as far as what we're seeing with the gut health right now. Hmm. Okay. I like that. Now, would you say that it matters whether you're eating organic or non-organic um, and does that affect the gut whatsoever? Well, for a number of reasons, it does. Glyphosate is an antibiotic. It's classified as that. I don't, you could look back or Google and see where is glyphosate, where did it get its patent? And you'll see its patent was on being an antibiotic mm -hmm. um, because it affects the, it affects a part of the bacteria. That's how it works. But what they didn't realize back then was that our gut microbiome is going to be a huge subject of health. Mm -hmm. So for that reason alone, now it's hard to avoid glyphosate, but if you have can do anything you can to avoid it, which is to try to eat organic, not to have certain foods at all, because certain foods almost, you can't find it without glyphosate, certain states, um, California, for example, um, you can't find any wine or other grapes or things without it. Even the organic farmers are having problems because things move in the environment. So um, th that's a big issue with the gut because it, it actually acts as an antibiotic and affects the gut bacteria. Uh, and, it's, and, and again, our mitochondria is like a bacteria in many ways, many ways it functions. So it really is harmful towards the mic mitochondria. Organic is key. Um, for gut microbiome because of glyphosate. Uh, yeah, uh, that's, that's important. Isn't there just a pill that you can just take, put in your mouth and, 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 and just kill what should be there? I mean, I know I'm, I'm sounding like a fast food documentary, but mm -hmm. is there, right. is there something well, that, that, that can take care of that or maybe help with that? Well, some of the antibiotics are quite powerful and they do wipe out the gut bacteria, but then just like, um, just like past, you know, when they heat milk up at a very high temperature, destroy all the bacteria, You're what right. begins to grow back are the more pathogenic ones. Um, but what happens in the gut is yes, you could wipe out, you could do, you could, but what's going to end up happening is that, that the, there's going to be opportunistic, they call them opportunistic bacteria. They, they take that opportunity to grow right. back more than the other good bacteria. And uh, so what we try to do is use natural protocols, herbs that don't hurt the good bacteria, don't bring down the good bacteria, actually help the bacteria grow, mm -hmm. the good bacteria, but yet the, the, uh, the opportunistic or the, the bad bacteria 
uh, don't like to grow in these environments with a lot of garlic, for example, or oregano. Right. These are herbs that we use in concentrated amounts that these bacteria, the bad bacteria don't like. Um, so there's mm. really, and you can't do that with just one like berberine by itself. You need synergy of these different um, herbs together because these bacteria are very resistant uh, and they get used to it. So if you just keep giving garlic, it'll get used to it after three or four weeks. Oh, and I see what you're saying. You've got to switch it up. Right, right. With yeah. other stuff that works like garlic. Right, or use formulas together, uh, which also helps and alternate them. That's mm-hmm. some of the protocols that we've had to do to be successful at naturally balancing the gut microbiome, um, bringing up the good bacteria and then bringing down these opportunistic bacteria. Sometimes we have to use stronger ones when there's parasites or H. pylori or even a fungus like candida. Then you have to use certain different ones and more target them because they're very persistent like parasites are. And mm-hmm. yeast is also very difficult. Um, and and uh, so all of these need to be addressed differently. Wow. So... Would you say that, what are some of the symptoms to maybe to know if you currently possibly do have a gut health, meaning there's something not right with your gut? What are some of the symptoms? What would be, I don't know, uh, some, besides, some after, besides acid reflux, is there anything, your well, body, like, your changes, would there be any body changes? I don't know. They are showing certain bacteria, good bacteria. One of them is known acromantia, um, is very important from what they call metabolic function. And so diabetes, blood sugar regulation, cardiovascular. Um, they also are showing, so in other words, if there is a lack of that bacteria, then we're seeing these metabolic issues. We're also seeing that when there are certain bacteria overgrown, again, they're normally in our gut, but when they become overgrown, they can set off the immune system to, to not recognize itself. That's called autoimmune. And many autoimmune conditions, when they study the gut of rheumatoid arthritis patients, for example, they see these certain bacteria always elevated. So now we're, we're associating bacteria with these conditions like um, rheumatoid arthritis or psoriasis, these autoimmune conditions or like Hashimoto's, mm-hmm. um, skin health. Now we're tying in the microbiome with lung health. There's also the oral microbiome tied in with cardiovascular health. So these symptoms really range from bloating, constipation, um, pain, a little cramping. That's like, you know, they call that irritable bowel or, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, mm-hmm. constipation, uh, bloating, tiredness. Uh, they are brain fog or tiredness. Mm-hmm. This is a gut brain connection. That's key. And the neurotransmitters that they're finding um, a good percentage of our neurotransmitters are made in the gut. And that's why the gut's called the second brain. And uh, so that is a big part of it. Anxiety. We're seeing a lot of people with anxiety when we do the gut microbiome testing and we help the person balance their gut. We see an improvement in mood and anxiety, um, improvement in skin conditions, majorly an improvement, of course, in digestion. That's, that's you know, with, with the bloating and constipation. Um, but then we're seeing metabolically with losing weight and uh, blood sugar issues because now we're seeing some connections with cortisol and gut health. Mm. Um, so, yes, many the symptoms can really vary. And I, I, like I mentioned the brain connection with brain fog is very real. Many people know when they eat something, they just can't oh, yeah. concentrate afterwards. That's, that's, that's with me with Doritos. I can't, I can't do, I can't do it. You know, I try to go back to the old days where I could have hot Cheetos, but uh, ever since I've gotten older, right. my body I wonder what's um, I, I, I wonder if the same would be occurring if you had a lot of foods with mono, so with the glutamate, because that's one of the, the th- that's an ingredient in that food. You just, well, that gives me a headache. So that's kind of, I know that my body says no, right. because I get, I get like a pinging where, you know, it gets me very tired, sluggish. So I can't right. eat anything, which is MSG, which is monosodium, which they changed the words, the name. right? The names. And I tell people, I go, if it starts looking like an insect name, don't eat it. Because <laughs> right. that's how they try to trick you. I hate to say it. You know, no, they change true. it. It's true. A lot of the, they don't have to label MSG if it's 98% and or 99%, um, unless it's 99%, but they don't, they don't have to label it. If there are other foods that have MSG, like autolyzed yeast or hydrolyzed protein, 
um, vegetable protein, hydrolyzed vegetable protein has, has MSG. Anytime you hydrolyze anything, that's why protein powders are a little difficult for some people um, because it's hydrolyzing the protein. Anytime that happens, a certain amount of glutamic acid is released and it's natural, but when glutamate anyway, that's a long, that's a little bit of a longer story, but it shows you the gut brain connection. We see it mostly with wheat and uh, dairy. There are these morphine like uh, chemicals, endorphins that are released um, when a gluten or grain from yes. like, uh, wheat is combined when the person has leaky gut. Leaky gut means that this, there's particles that should be not leaving the intestines, you know, being digested, being, it's being put into the bloodstream because mm-hmm. their body intestines are, the intestines are not as selective and they, they're, they're, the gap is a little wider and allowing these proteins through and then they form these um, endorphins. They, and they're called, in this case, uh, gluteomorphine. And that's the brain fog. People feel very, it's a morphine like chemical. So they wonder why kids sometimes are just staring off into space. And that's a real, until they do a gut test and see if there's this leaky gut and they avoid wheat and it makes a big change if that's the case. You know, it's interesting that you're saying that we've been, we've been raised as kids to, to drink milk, to wheat's good for you, mm-hmm. you know, by commercials. So it's, it's interesting it seems like it's, it's opposite of what's being sold. Right. Right. Well, uh, I know there's a lot of money. in it. Right. Well, the thing about why a person is having issues with wheat and uh, dairy is a lot to do with this gut microbiome. Quite often when we heal the gut and we get the right dairy product, Correct. Um, uh, they can tolerate it and it becomes a healthy product for them because many of them need some of the nutrients uh, because of certain reasons. Let's say they're avoiding meat. Um, you could, from a certain quality dairy product, you could get some very difficult to get nutrients if it was raised right. Uh, we're looking for some essential fats and it's a, it's a little bit of a, but it, it really has been a, a very helpful for someone who really needed uh, to move up in their, some of their nutritional deficiency levels. If we could fix the gut and they could tolerate foods more be- uh, better. In other words, we become more tolerant to our environment. It's, a lot of it starts in the gut. So dairy and wheat, the wheat is like the staff of life. Um, how did it become this food that everyone has to avoid now? It's a big question. And that is a lot to do with the production and, our, and what's happened to our guts. And um, wheat has in the ideal state, and if we had our ideal, if our gut was optimized, which exactly. we do, then wheat actually feeds good bacteria with the fiber, with the soluble fiber, mm-hmm. with the vitamin E that's in the bran of the wheat. Um, if, uh, if it's sourdough, there's this, you know, there's this also fermented type of wheat. There's, so a, fermented, good, there's a fermented wheat drink that they, <laughs> they live in Europe where they, they drink a fermented wheat. That's a super health drink. It's, I'm glad you brought that up. And real quick, I know that milk in wheat is good for us. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's what's, it can been be, added. It's, it's what's been added. You know, like I can go to Italy right now and have a sandwich, but I'm going to get real wheat, a real wheat sandwich. I'm not going to get the added preservatives because right. they're very strict right. on the food. Like they, they, they don't even, they ban, I think they ban Doritos and candies that are from Cal. They don't use what we do because we don't really have a, we don't really have a stringent um, protection for our people over here because right. there's a lot of us. Yep. It's um, and that's why, you know, clinicians like, like you interview and like ourselves, like myself here, we're trying to help people on a, on a, you know, on a, you know, real foundational basis, meaning like how do we approach all these things in our environment the uh, pesticides and uh, chemicals and plastics. We just, be, we begin with really b- building the body back up from the ground up. And the gut is a major part of this um, because people don't realize with the glyphosate antibiotics, the acid lowering medications, uh, processed foods, they've destroyed their, and then also stress has a big role on the gut bacteria. They've actually not, don't have a healthy gut bi- microbiome and that's making them less tolerant of the environment. So they're reacting to, to any smell, for example, they smell a cologne or a perfume. They, they can't take it because they're just reacting to everything. Wow. wow. So, the next question would be, how long does it take to actually improve the gut? 
Well, that a lot of gut programs are two to three months, again, because of the difficulty to really eradicate, to lower the eradicate or to make them non-detectable. Takes about two to three months of, of really taking these um, antimicrobial combinations. Now, antibiotics, the triple therapy that I mentioned with the two antibiotics and the prilis mm -hmm. and the anti-acid, that's usually a 10 day or two week. Uh, and so people like this, the timeliness of that, but see that destroys the whole other microbiome. They, I mean, it does eradicate most of the time the H. pylori, but what is it doing to the rest of the microbiome? Now they got to start over and balance the microbiome because it's those antibiotics are very powerful at destroying all much of the good bacteria. And so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's part of, that's, mm. a, that's important. Okay. Um, let's say you get your gut back on track. Do we still have to continue to see you or is well, that the, something, or is that something that we, we see quarterly instead of every other month? How does that work? Usually after the two to three month programs that we have, people are really good. They, they, we, we get a lot of comments back that they feel much better. They're able to digest foods. Their skin has cleared up. Many of the brain fog has improved. And a lot of times we tell them maybe they, if they want to do the stool test again, you know, to see that they're maintaining it or that, that we've been successful in the, in this eradication or the lowering the overgrowth and building up the good bacteria then they usually test again in about six months or so. Okay. It's not always um, warranted. Um, but um, if we try to set a person up with that, they're going to be successful with their gut, eating the right types of fibers, um, eating the right types of uh, digestible proteins right. uh, uh, and, uh, and not doing things that will really hurt their gut, you know, learning the things that do uh, bring down that good bacteria. Right. And if they go on antibiotics for some reason, then yeah, sometimes they come back and see what's going on in their gut. Okay. Now, does insurance cover this? Right now, insurance is, they're learning about it. Medicare is starting to cover some of the, okay. the um, stool tests. Um, and so I believe when Medicare comes along, other insurances will. Uh -huh. um, they are seeing that uh, the especially the, some of the DNA PCR testing, which is very effective, is being they 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 might be covering that um, mm -hmm. depending on the situation. I think right now across the board it's not being covered um, because there's not really a medication, so to speak, to eradicate the overgrowth of opportunistic inflammatory or autoimmune types of bacteria. Mm -hmm. They want to just throw the big guns at, let's say, H. pylori. Right. So, and they also do stool testing. They do a culture, a culture for, let's say, over and parasites. So they mm -hmm. look for it. It's not a very um, effective test, meaning it's not very sensitive. It misses a lot of parasites. And, but they're looking for disease as often it is in conventional medicine. So they do stool testing, but usually it's when the person is very sick, they have food poisoning, they have bad case of diarrhea. So for these cases where there's this gut skin connection, gut brain connection, or person has this just ongoing bloating, they don't, it's not because they can't just give outright an antibiotic. Mm -hmm. um, they don't really uh, know how to really approach what happened what does it mean when a person has an overgrowth of these bacteria they don't have a lot of these natural modalities out there so um but someday it will be when all this research there's so much research coming out with the microbiome and health it's going to be a matter of time before everyone's going to be getting this, this kind of stool testing done um especially post-viral infections like we're living through now um where these viruses are destroying, are, are really entering the gut. We see the spike protein really was involved in the gut um, heavily. And therefore we can't ignore the gut now because these viruses are wrecking havoc on it. It's Epstein's bar and a lot of the other viruses as well. Wow. Interesting. It's, we've, you would think that we would have come a lot, a lot more further with our healthcare. Like you would think that something like that would be insured, you know, just with, I'm still stuck on that, you know, with the gut. You know, um, I, in a way, I feel like in the healthcare, just, just my opinion, that I feel like we're so far behind when we should be right over here. You know, we've, we've, we've gotten to the point where with a lot of healthcare, we would just give you a couple pills. Right. The gut like is what I was asking. I was asking for a pill. I'm trained. <laughs> right. Right. It's true. But the gut is the new frontier in a way of medicine. We're just really, it's okay. like space where it is a new frontier. It opened up a new world. We thought, 
we thought we were the genes in our body. Now we see there's more genes in the bacteria than our own body. Um, it's just a whole new world. And some of us in this integrated field have been researching it for mm -hmm. 10, 15 years. And now when the good tests are coming along, because we're directing the test to say, hey, let's look for these bacteria. We see it in the research. Let's look for these overgrowths that we see associated with these diseases. Um, let's use these protocols. Let's share amongst clinicians good protocols that are working. And let's look for really good uh, nutraceuticals from high quality companies that are really putting good formulas mm -hmm. together. And, um, and let's try to, let's, let's, let's do this more naturally because giving antibiotics, first of all, antibiotic resistance is we're really up to the last line of antibiotics now. Um, and we, we, meaning that most antibiotics are resistant to many bacteria right now. So we, and they're not resistant to these natural herbals that haven't, that have been used for thousands of years, but haven't been used for the last, for, you know, not, not recently at least. So they're not resistant yet to these new, to these uh, natural antimicrobials. Interesting. You know, what, what I don't understand is why do we call it the, the second guy? Like, well, we call does it, it look like the, does it look like the brain? I mean, I, it, um, well, the second brain, because there's a nervous system, it's, they call it the enteric nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's controlled by the vagus nerve. It comes directly from the brain. This nerve directly contacts our intestines. So when we think, and that's why you have a gut feeling, and that's why you have this instinct. I see what you're saying. Because does. the brain, our body is incredible. It's designed, uh, it's designed amazingly. Mm -hmm. Therefore, what we think is controlling the gut. And that's why in this day and age of sympathetic overdrive, it's just, it's really wrecking havoc. And that's why also vagus nerve stimulation, which we really work wow. um, as a major part of our program. We have vagus nerve stimulators that are very non-invasive. They, they, there's a way of stimulating the nerve um, that we can really help people with what's called parasympathetic. That's the rest and digest. And that's what's so important. So back in the old days, even the cavemen, or they were running away from animals, but at night they would socialize with their family. They would make a fire. We need to have that to eat in a relaxed state. We need to eat when there's light, or at least we can see the food and smell the food. A lot of people are not even doing this. So the brain and the gut are totally connected. We see if a person doesn't sleep all night long, the gut microbiome changes the next day. Hmm. Um, so- so that what happens is there's a connection with the vagus nerve. It's a two-way street. So signals in our gut signal our brain. And then sometimes our brain with stress and lack of sleep signals our gut to change. And, and there are neurotransmitters, certain bacteria produce, help to produce neurotransmitters like serotonin are coming from the gut because mm. tryptophan, which is a precursor to serotonin is made in the gut. So it's mostly made in the gut. That's amazing. It really, it's, it's amazing because... We've been saying that for years. I mean, you hear this term. I just went by my gut. My gut was just telling me I needed. Do you know what I mean? It's interesting how now we're calling it our second gut, but we've been using that term for a long time. Right, right, uh, the, right. We have, we have many of us in functional medicine, or we. The gut was always the first place we looked, even before the stool, uh, the great DNA stool testing we have. But um, that was our major focus, always at the beginning. We had different programs. I remember the they called it the Four R program. That was Jeffrey Bland back in the late nineties, right. um, working on the on the gut there. But we didn't have the testing, so now we. We, uh, we can direct our, our methods, our treatment protocols much better now than before. Well, you know, what's interesting is that just kind of going back to the gut, it's, I, I feel that if we're having a lot of problems with our gut, would you like, I'm just saying like a lot of irritation. I believe that, isn't that a huge sign? you know, not just feeling bloated all the time, but also maybe pain in the gut that that's basically a, and of course you're, when you use the restroom, your stool is floating. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a sign? All those kind of signs of having a gut problem. Well, yeah, that's, there's a lot of digestion uh, issues. Digestion of fats, for example, is what you're describing when it's, when it's, when that's the, the so that's a huge part of gut health is the liver gallbladder. See, that's, that's connected. You see that there's mm -hmm. a connection with the small intestines mm -hmm. and the liver gallbladder pancreas even. 
So because there's a connection, again, our body is holistic. We can't just look at the gut. You have to look at liver, gallbladder. So yeah, that's when you see poor digestion of fat, when you see what you just described. Um, and so, yes, that's a major part of intestinal health is, is helping the liver and the gallbladder digest fats and um, having enough hydrochloric acid to digest protein and break down minerals to absorb minerals. Mm -hmm. These are all essential parts of, of, of gut health. Well, so what, what I, what, what kind of, what doesn't make sense to me is whether my, my stool floats or goes to the bottom of the water. Well, again, that, that there, you're that particularly make sense to me, like, uh, liver, I mean, gallbladder and fat digestion. One of the tests that we run on our, our advanced stool test is uh, steatocrit. That's a fat. Uh, and if we see that's high in the stool test, then we know that the body's, the liver gallbladder is not digesting fat. And we support that. There are nutrients that can help support the liver gallbladder. There are liver gallbladder uh, formulas that are very effective, but you really want to study that whole dynamic okay. with, with, with bile, mm. bile, which helps to digest fat. So that particular, uh, um, Situation is a marker on a stool test called steatocrit, and that will tell a person that they're not digesting fat. But you're right; you could just look right there and see that it's floating, and that's usually what's going on with that. So, and that's not a great thing because then you're not digesting fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K, and most likely they're going to find out that they're low in vitamin D. You're right. You're right about that. The vitamin D. As a matter of fact, most people are low of vitamin D and do not realize it. Right. They, they don't know why. Maybe it's they're not digesting fats. It's not because they're not getting in the sun. Maybe it's, it's, it's other reasons. And that's well, it could be what they're eating. Maybe their diet yeah. is, is, is just way off. Um, and not just that, but a lot of people are saying, well, hey, you know, I'm taking the vitamins. I'm taking this. I'm taking that. I'm taking the vitamin D. But what a lot right. of people don't realize is that a lot of the vitamins that you purchase on the shelf, you're really you're not even getting you're getting a strand of that. So if you like example, if you were to purchase vitamin D at Costco, which I don't recommend, you go to Costco, you're getting you to 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 have that whole bottle. If you were to drink that whole bottle, you're probably getting one full vitamin D. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people don't realize that. Like I like to use like a gentleman named Dr. Bird, you know, because I know that hey, I know that I'm getting the best of the best, you know, uh, bang for well, my buck for those type of vitamin vitamins. D. Most good supplement companies, um, that's one of the examples of a vitamin that's not so, you know, that you usually don't, as long as you're going through a high quality supplement manufacturer, uh, a person doesn't have to search and go to a specific, necessarily a specific brand. Right. Um, it is about absorption and it is about the, um, the, uh, the, the additive nutrients. Like for example, in a liquid vitamin D, are they adding an oil that's not such a great oil, like, uh, you know, so that, you know, and uh, what are they adding to that vitamin D to make Correct. it a lick? Um, so that's also very important. Um, but yeah, so, so it is the right form. And it is the right, uh, it, it depends on the person, the unique individual. Now a person maybe needs a liquid needs a needs a sublingual, I see. or needs uh, an injection. There's some people who do better with an IV, uh, an, I, an injection of vitamin D because they don't, their liver and their kidneys are just not um, converting it. They're just, they're, they're having, the, until they repair their guts and they repair certain liver functions. So um, vitamin D is also, um, it comes with other nutrients. So yeah, just, we don't usually singularly just only, uh, single out a nutrient. We never just do vitamin D by itself because there's going to be issues with other nutrients. So, so, um, so if, so yeah, so it's more complex mm -hmm. each individual nutrient. Uh, and that's why this is personalized medicine because persons, they hear a lot out there and they think that's how they're going to treat themselves, but maybe they're not digesting fats again, because they're, because of uh, the liver gallbladder and that's how they'll get their vitamin D absorbed, right. not just you know, so yeah, it's really important the whole picture when, it, especially when it comes to vitamin D, because there's so many other co-nutrients that goes along with vitamin D. And also that if you take too much vitamin D at one, um, without these co-nutrients, you'll end up depleting these other co-nutrients. Oh, wow. Well, wow. then that's, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh yeah, it is. We've, we help people with that a lot. Oh, wow. So would you say taking a probiotic would be the answer to, to fix your gut? 
Uh, that a lot of people are doing. What we do is we see on a DNA stool test that is there enough lactobacillus or bifidus because most probiotics, that's what they have. Now there are spore biotics, but many people have a buildup of the bacillus. That's a spore. So it's better to test and not guess as they say, because you could take a probiotic, but you, it's not lactobacillus or bifidus that you're missing. It's not a spore that you're missing. It's these other, this, this, it's these many other different types of bacteria. And a lot of, quite often they're forgetting that there's an overgrowth of these opportunistic or of H. pylori or parasites or candida that needs to be addressed first before you start putting in probiotics because it's never going to be able to overwhelm this overgrowth. They're usually more powerful than the probiotics. H. pylori is way more dominant and many other bacteria are just more dominant. You just right. need to, you need to get, if they're overgrown, a probiotic won't help uh, and it's not the time for it. There might be a time two months later when the bacteria is down, you mm -hmm. could start building up the gut. Wow. Okay. One of the big, uh, one of the, the, the main questions, well, my last question would be is what about, what about all these parasite cleanses on Amazon and how do you, on how to fix the gut? You know, we see on Amazon, we see on Dr. Google that, Hey, you just take this uh, parasite cleanser and you're good to go. Uh, well, we see that a lot. We see a lot of that. And that's why we, we really like to test to see if it is parasites and then we can direct it at right. uh, a specific program that's going to be uh, targeted for that person. Quite often, um, parasite cleanses have very strong liver, um, liver cleansing herbs and a person just hasn't really um, they have too many toxins. They haven't really detoxified yet. So now they're going through a detox and a parasite cleanse. <laughs> uh, um, and then quite often it's a yeast and it's uh, H. pylori, which a lot of the herbs in a parasite cleanse don't really address. Um, a lot of times the parasite cleanses are just too powerful and do wipe out some of the good bacteria because a person just went all out with a parasite cleanse and some of those herbs were used maybe too long um, or someone's taken berberine like extensively for many, many, many months, but many parasite cleanses, again, are only short term and therefore don't usually have the effect. Like I said, most gut programs are three months, but some of these parasite cleanses, if someone does it for three months, it's just too strong. It's, it's too much of a liver detox or it's some herbs are a little bit unknown and unvetted. So wow. when we use our we use our formulas, we want to know it's from a good supplement company, high quality. Each formula, each ingredient in there is exactly how many milligrams, what's it standardized to, and is it organic, and where has it been sourced at? It's and instead of just giving these parasite cleanses that really we don't know where the herbs are coming from and the quantity. A lot of it's not specified. It's just a mixture of things. I like that. And I never really thought about that. And again, we need to be careful from what I hear you're saying is to try to diagnose ourselves and then purchase something. That's because why we hear. Yeah. It's like, so let me ask you a question. Would you say you spend 10, 15 minutes with, with somebody and then you kick them out the door? <laughs> no, we, as you can tell, we, we, we really give each person, uh, uh, and, you know, really individualized attention because that's how health is. It's so, everyone is so unique, how they interact with the environment and their mm -hmm. gut microbiome, including is just, a, is really a foundation, but really there's so much more as well to go into. So yes, our appointments are, you know, quite extensive and a person needs that. Um, and they owe it to themselves and healthcare owes it to people out there to give them the time to help them to, uh, reverse and prevent chron these chronic diseases that are, are really affecting heart disease is the number one killer. And really these chronic diseases are just increasing every year, autoimmunity. And so we're, we're out here, out there to help people to reverse it or uh, at least prevent it. Wow. I, I like that. I never, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard because we're not, I'm not used to that. We're not used to that. Um, people spending that quality time with the doctor. I know last time that I went to a doctor, it was, here's two pills, but Hey, this pill's going to affect your eyes and it's going to affect your liver. But other than that, it's going to help you. So of course I, I'm not taking them because my wife's a, of course, a health freak. She's like, you're not taking it. You're not, you mm -hmm. know, so it's, she's more of a natural. So 
it, it's different because when I went to go see the doctor, I'm, I noticed that my average span with him is maybe seven minutes, maybe that, 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 that's like an hour in real doctor terms or 30 minutes. But I think that if we can get back to real healthcare where we actually focused on not just giving a patch or a pill but to focus on, let's get, find the root and let's get you better right away. Instead of we find the root, but I'm going to give you a patch. And then once that patch wears off, I'm going to give you another patch. And, and I see that that's what you're not doing. You're focusing on the whole body. And because what you might, what they might think is the pain or what they're struggling with could be something totally different. Do you see that a lot? Oh, yes, right. We do. And that's what that was really our foundation in functional medicine. When when we when we learned, you know, rheumatoid arthritis and a pain in the elbow could be coming from an overgrowth of bacteria in the gut. That's um, crazy. Right, so it is the body. Is very, the pain's right here. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, yes, it, it is you really take to look at a person holistically in this day and age, people are broken down into systems. They see an endocrinologist and a hematologist, cardiologist, and they only look these, these specialties only look within their own specialty and they don't look outside of it. So they might miss that gut brain connection or that cardiovascular inflammation, you know, gut connection. Um, and that's what we really strive to do here in integrative uh, medicine at South Florida Integrative Health Center is look at the whole person and take the time to pull it all together and listen to the whole health history. Many people come with a history of environmental toxins, the way they're sleeping, we go into the diet and nutrition and put it all together. It takes that. It takes the time to really do true healing uh, and helping person optimize their health because the body is complex. I think that's the way we're designed. Otherwise we'd be bored with our body. It would just be, you know, I think, I think this has especially been designed. And especially like when you look at the medical textbooks every year, they got to publish new ones because they're finding more and more and more. So the more detailed we get, the more we find. It's a never ending. And that's exciting oh. for us in medicine because we don't want to be bored, but we want to be on the cutting edge and we want to be helping people. So we got to stay informed and look, studying and seeing what works. And it takes time. But I know people spend time fixing their car. You know, look how much time a person spends on their pets or their cars. You're right. And that's pets because pets is something you love. But a car, don't you want to spend time on your body? Um, we're, I'm willing to spend the time. And, and that's the first step. Yeah, you're right. The practitioner has to be willing to give the time, but then we want the, the person to really give, allow themselves to have that time to find the person who will spend the time with them. You know, I, I agree with you. I think I, the problem that I'm seeing is that I think insurance has hurt us. Insurance is a great idea the thought of the way it came out to help people to afford certain things, you know, I understand that, you know, if you're in hospital, heart attack, whatever it is covered, but I feel like it's hurt us to the point where it's like, well, if there's a problem with my leg, I'm just going to cut it off because it's cheaper that way. When, right. In all reality, they didn't have to cut the leg up, but that's well, what their insurance covers. That, ha yeah, there's a, there's a disconnect and this has there's to be, is it this has to, they, they realized it with the expense of medications that people can't afford it. It's starting to, it's starting to really affect the health of the population. And I think people are realizing if they want to take control of their health, it's something they have to work. They, they can't rely just on insurance. I think more and more people are realizing that we want to work together. So it's all one beautiful system, but it's just not there yet. I agree with you hundred percent. I think when, I think we need to take a step back and say, you know what? you're worth it. I'm worth it. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and in a way they're saying they're not worthy. When you look at that, that's, that's just what I I'm seeing. You know, um, if I'm not willing to invest in my investment, you know, you see a lot of people online talking about money, making money, making money, money, but you never see really the focus of health without your health. You don't have your wealth. And then what happens is people make so much money. They're focused on their health. And next, you know, they're giving all their money away for their health. So it's, it's, it's uh, like, uh, it's true. Uh, that is the most important asset is the health. And, uh, and that's, and thankfully there's practitioners out there that really want to give this to, you know, what they've learned and how they help people back to a, back to the person 
because ultimately then it's control is in their hands to be proactive with their health. And it's exciting for many people who come through these doors here. They love it, taking control of their health. And now they're on a great wellness journey. Um, and just they didn't realize that it can be done. It takes some work, but you need that. It does help to have the practitioner who's going to encourage them, who's going to be looking out for them and really going through all this research. So they don't have to figure out what exactly, you know, what to, it's, it's so much out there. Wow. Well, Dara, I just want to say thank you so much for being here on the show with us, answering some really uh, great questions and, and some, uh, at least for me, some tough ones, I believe, you know, um, I just want to say I appreciate what you do. You're you're focusing on helping as many people as you can, folks. That's hard to find. I hate to say it. Yes, I know that that, that seems like a cliche, but um, you know, I would I would connect with uh, Darrell. I would go to his website, SouthFloridaIntegrativeHealthCenter.com, SouthFloridaIntegrativeHealthCenter.com, and connect with his people where they spend quality one-on-one time figuring out where the root is. As you can tell, he was talking about somebody came in, hey, their shoulder was hurting, but it wasn't in the shoulder. It was really, it was there in the shoulder, but it was really connected to the gut. Mm -hmm. So let's not be Dr. Google and let's go to people that are passionate about this. You know, he's passionate about the gut, getting the gut back in alignment because if the gut's not in alignment, guess what? It's just like your first brain. If your brain's not in alignment, everything else is off. So, hey, like you said, the second gut is the, is the, is the stomach. And, right. um, you know, hey, and I'll, I'll do a little pun. Go buy your gut, guys. Anyways, make sure you go to South Florida Integrative Health Center.com. And again, thank you so much for, for being here on the show. We appreciate well, it. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. It's been a great, a great show. And I, I know we've helped people today. And thank you very much. <laughs>